Hi everyone, uh, Dave here. Thank you for coming along to another episode of Legends of the Spy. Great to have you with us. This is this podcast that speaks to the former players, managers, the fans, the anyone really associated with Chesterfield Football Club, uh, and unashamedly so. Uh, now on the podcast uh, we have had a few players uh, last few weeks and had a week off last week because I was very busy with work uh, but uh, I have got loads and loads of former Chesterfield players lined up. Quite a lot of those are with current uh, football clubs uh, so obviously with it being the business end of the season uh, they want to fully concentrate on that but they are willing to come on uh, as soon as they get the chance to and then there's a load of others that I'm talking to just finalising dates with at the moment so do keep an eye out uh, as to some really interesting names on that list. But for this week, I spoke to Luke Feather. Uh, now, I thought with it being the time of year that it is, uh, a lot of people are starting to think about university courses uh, over the next six months. Uh, so I thought it would be good to speak to someone uh, who is both a Chesterfield fan and also uh, working in the media. Uh, so Luke is a third year uh, sports media journalism student and currently working with Marine, uh, who I'll have a Chesterfield link in uh, Glenhurst, a uh, former podcast guest. And uh, it's really interesting having a chat with him about uh, interviewing managers, writing match reports, commentary, uh, things like that, and all of his studies. Uh, we also had a good chat about Chesterfield as well, obviously, and his uh, era of when he became a Chesterfield fan, and most notably that John Sheridan Paul Cook title winning seasons. As always, we are at Spire Legends on Twitter and Instagram and Legends of the Spire on Facebook. So if you do walk past a former Chesterfield player while walking a dog, then uh, do let them know that I am after them and wanting to speak to them. Uh, but here we are with the latest episode with Luke Feather. Have you ever approached anyone that's still playing, like still playing for Chesterfield, or do you just stick to like former players? Uh, yeah, I kind of. It's weird. I, I made a, uh, I, I made like a an unwritten rule when I started that I'd like try and do former players, so that in theory their history was uh, with the club was like finished. Yeah. Then obviously Paul Cook kind of changed things because I spoke <laughs> to him like two weeks before he came back. You have so to do like, a part oh, two because then you kind of think, well, already now that podcast is out of date. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Allen came back with the most Martin Allen response, where it, it was just like a few lines where it said, hi, Dave, I'd love to, but I can't, not right now, <laughs> Martin. <laughs> and it was like, I think he put something like, one day I will tell my story or something <laughs> at the end of it. And you just think, very dramatic. it's a bit cryptic. So <laughs> maybe one day Martin Allen, but... It's, it's weird. I whizzed all the way through to like 50 and I was like, this is fine. Like, uh, but now, now I'm at 50. It's like, it's getting harder and harder. And yeah. Like, oh, can I get to a hundred? Might be able to, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But then it'll just have to turn into something else, I suppose. Yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> on to the main topic of conversation. So I thought it'd be good just to have a chat about, because you're again studying sports journalism aren't you so what year are you in at the moment i'm in my final year third year okay and you're working with marine aren't you at the moment right? yeah i've um started there i think it was june or july last year um the head of my course sent an email around and just said um marine marine fc are looking for a new sort of media officer um they've always had a bit of connection uh, my uni and marine sort of third year students they always try and, you know they always ask them first um and so on the email, it just said, you've been shortlisted. 
Um, if you're interested, then let me know and we'll sort an interview out. So I did, um, did the interview and then a couple of days later, got a call and it's me and me and uh, George, another guy in my course, we sort of split it between us. So what do you have to do like as an application to, do you have to show them any work or anything like that? Um, it was more, uh, for Marine, it was more just um, because they have got that connection with my uni, they just sort of trust when they shortlist people. So I didn't have to do an application as such. As, uh, I did, I had a, a, an interview, it was about 10, 10 15 minutes, um, just over Zoom, uh, where I think the sort of foundations of it were, uh, what can you sort of, you know, what, what do you see as your strengths in terms of journalism or sports media? And um, at the time, they were very big on trying to push uh, season ticket sales as well, because there's a lot of new people watching Marine uh, because of the FA Cup run against, you know, played Tottenham. Um, so they were very big on trying to push season tickets. So they were saying, oh, what sort of promotional deals could you think of to try and boost season tickets? What uh, sort of match day experience things mm. do you think you can add to, to Marine? So I, I basically just pitched him a few ideas and... Um, it, it was more, it was quite relaxed to be fair. It was, I think it was more just sort of, you know, seeing if, I, if I'd be a good fit and how much sort of how dedicated I would be, not dedicated, what's the word, sort of enthusiastic yeah. I was towards it. And I just, just sort of said to look, I'd, I'd love to do it. It's something that I've always wanted to do to work for a football club. And um, luckily a couple of days later, they got back to me and offered it to me. It's kind of a big time as well, isn't it, for non-league clubs? Because... Obviously, during that lockdown period, everyone kind of rediscovered the love for like live football, didn't they? And with yeah. things like VAR and stuff like that, people have some people have turned away from uh, kind of higher Premier League uh, football, haven't they? And have gone to something a bit more grassroots. It feels like it's got a bit of a renaissance at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially with Marine, like with where it is. Obviously, there's the two big clubs in the area, Liverpool and Everton. So you know Premier League VAR everything that comes with that I think this is a bit of a sort of let's get away from the controversy of VAR I think I think Everton fans more than more than Liverpool fans are happy to get away from Everton at the minute to be honest um, but uh, you do see it though when um, obviously every Marine game's at three o'clock on a Saturday if Liverpool are playing it on a Sunday and Everton are the early kickoff on a Saturday Marine attendances are easily over a thousand every week so, like you say, it is a big time for for non-league. Obviously, my experience is with Marine, but I've I've not known it to be any different at Marine. But apparently, before before this season, it's always been you know three or four hundred every week. I think the lowest home attendance this year has been about seven hundred and fifty, and that was on a Tuesday night. So it says a lot about how people are sort of flocking to Marine at the minute. And you've got Glenn Hurst at Marine. Yes. You have got a Chesterfield connection at Grittlebinhurst. He's the under, like, 23s. Yeah, he's, I think he's reserve team manager. I've never spoke to him, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, he's a... He was one of the first things that my dad said to me when I told him about Marine things. Oh, it's Chesterfield there. Yeah. Oh, Glenhursty. So so what do you end up doing then as part of... I, I've kind of had a little bit of a dig and uh, uh, at what you're doing, and you kind of do a bit of everything, don't you? You're, like, interviewing manager and you're doing loads of other bits you kind of get quite a, a full experience of it all don't you yeah um so on a match day um for the home matches i'll uh, interview the manager after the game 
And uh, I've, we've, we've tried to do a bit of a half-time challenge thing as well. It's, we've, we've called it the Kenji crossbar challenge um, from where, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Neil Kenji hit the crossbar from about 30 yards against Tottenham uh, in the cup. So we've uh, started the Kenji crossbar challenge, which is like a half-time sort of entertainment thing. Uh, yet, yet to see anyone hit the crossbar. But um, So then after that, I'll uh, do the post-match interview, um, write the match report, uh, and then I write a shorter match report as well from a non-league paper uh, for the home games. And then uh, for the away games, I uh, commentate on games. So we live stream on YouTube and um, yeah, just, just commentate. We only tend to do it for the away games because for the people that are, you know, would listen, they're usually at the home games. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I what I do. Um, I've done a bit of social media for them as well when uh, when George hasn't been there. So a bit of Twitter commentary and um, sort of running the Instagram and stuff. Forward by Jay Devine. Neil Kengi now. Kengi shot. Oh, he's hit the bar. And Joe Hart tips the rebound over. What a drive from Kengi. I think Joe Hart misjudged this. Great strike. Joe Hart pulled out and it hit the bar. Real let off for Tottenham here. So close for Marine. And with commentary, obviously everyone probably thinks that they'd be quite a good at commentary. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where the commentators probably can't win. Because, uh, But uh, how have you found it kind of getting into that? Um, at first, to be honest, terrifying. <laughs> it was, it was, I don't know. It's such a weird thing, and I found, especially in my first first week or two, because it was so new. I'd never done anything like that before, so I, I found myself recycling cliches that I've heard Martin Tyler say over the years, and and then, but the more, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's, I saw Gary Neville talking about it once, and he was he was said, oh, I was trying to be too deliberate and not not talking how you would would speak about football so I found myself doing that a bit and trying to be a bit too formal a bit too clever and um, I think in the first couple of weeks there were points where it sounds daft but I actually forgot I was commentating so I basically sat there for a good 10 seconds then I thought oh I better say something um, but yeah the, the more I've done it I, I love doing it now it's my favourite thing about Marine the easiest game was we played Wrexham in the cup uh, at home and it was it's the only home game that I've commentated on, but because it was such a big game, um, and surprisingly, Marine have a have an overseas sort of following now because of the FA Cup run. So I I always put on the um, on the live stream sort of chat. Um, they would say, "Oh, let me know where you're listening from," or, or pop a comment in the comment section, and suddenly you've got Chinese characters coming up, Russian coming up, and hello from Milan, and I, I couldn't believe it, but. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was that was a fun one to, to commentate on. So I actually recognised some of the players, like Paul Mullin was playing that day, and you know a few other uh, big Wrexham players. Yeah, and how do you find the uh, the pre and post match interviews then? Because I uh, imagine sometimes they can be quite difficult if, if you've had a bit of a tonking. Um, luckily, uh, at the times where we've taken a bit of tonking this season. Um, there was there was one on Boxing Day at home to Bootle in front of a sellout crowd. It's a bit of a local derby as well. Got beat 3-0. Luckily, that was on Boxing Day, so I wasn't there for that one. I was back home over Christmas. Um, but yeah, for, for some of them, it is. 
it's it's harder. It's obviously harder after a loss or or a disappointing draw, for example. Um, but luckily, you know, the manager is really he's really good with us. He's, he doesn't sort of he gives us good answers and he he, he talks a lot. I've, I've noticed sometimes when I've interviewed, I've interviewed players before when they've signed and they've not been sort of as sort of keen to be interviewed and you're just sort of not as comfortable, which is fair enough because a lot of people aren't comfortable being interviewed. Uh, but with the manager, he's really good with us, really. And um, obviously, it's, it's easier after win, but yeah, you, you sort of have to push through it, really. Are there sometimes questions that you'd really like to ask that you think, oh, I bet I probably shouldn't? Or do you get, uh, or do you get free reign? <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's for ones where I don't, I don't know, sometimes when you watch a match and you think, oh, why has the manager done that? Or I, I would have done this, but then you sort of think, well, I'm not the manager. I haven't done any coaching badges. I'm not going to, I'm not going to start questioning the manager, obviously, um, because I don't want him to start, to start being cold with me. Uh, so, you know, it's just about how you phrase things, really. It's just sort of, oh, what did you think of so-and-so or rather than why did, why did you make that decision? Or they're the sort of things that I wouldn't, ask really I, w- I wouldn't stop questioning decisions but everything else it's just sort of a free game really yeah so how is it then with the rest so with the rest of the students on your course then do you all when you get to kind of third year I suppose you start to get an idea of what part of media you'd like to go in don't you so what's the what how have you found it with everyone else does it do, does everyone start well I want to be a commentator now I prefer to do social media stuff I um, I think to be honest with the way our course has gone because our course has always been big on giving us a bit of everything and trying to make everyone really sort of well-rounded um, I don't think as far as I know anyway I don't think anyone's really set on oh I want to I want to be a broadcast it, that, that's the main one a broadcast or sort of new, newsy type of reporting um, the people that know that they want to go into TV and radio sort of know um, the people that want to try a bit of everything, such as myself, uh, you sort of, I don't know, sort of trying to keep keep all your options open, really. Um, but to be honest, I, I'm at this stage, I'm not closing any doors. I don't want to say I want to go into radio. I want to be a commentator. I want to work for a newspaper because just I just don't know really. I, I want want to try it all. See see what sticks. Like a lot of uh, non-league clubs, quite high up non-league clubs, and 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 probably a lot of football league clubs as well. They take a lot of uh, a lot of students, don't they? And it's it's an odd, isn't it? Because it's such a huge part of a a club. Yeah, well, I suppose I suppose that uh, especially at non-league clubs, it's uh, I, I mean, it's not it's not like I do everything. It's not yeah, all, yeah. all the responsibilities on me. That there is a there's a head of media. Mm. Um, who sort of oversees everything but we are given pretty much free reign to write match reports how we want interview how we want and you know the, the commentary was something that the previous media officer he did it uh, a couple of times during the FA Cup run because um, obviously th- there was no fans in the stadium as well so it sort of that it sort of was born out of that and um, I, I basically just said that I'd carry on uh, ca- carry it on and um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I think with football clubs, they're very happy to just, they're happy to give experience. They're happy to help from my experience anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, 
Um, I've done a few bits for Everton as well this season for their women's team and for their under-23s. And again, that that was because they contacted uh, the uni and basically said, have you got any students that you think would be up for it? So, yeah, it is, it is surprising, but it, it's good, I think. And she still gets time to just watch football socially because obviously a lot of your work takes place at the same time as all the other matches are on, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's... Uh, that's the one downfall. I've, I've hardly been to a Chessfield game this season, to be completely honest, because obviously they're on at the same time as Marine, and I'm 60 miles away. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, the early kickoff, uh, if we're going to an away game, we'll watch the early kickoff on the bus. Um, or, you know, the tea time game when you're coming back, because uh, I travel with the team to to the um, away matches. So it'll just be on the, on the TV, on the bus or whatever. Um and then, yeah, Sundays. But, yeah, it's pretty much just been Marine this season. I've watched Marine more than anyone else and couldn't, couldn't really tell you, <laughs> tell you much about anyone else at the minute. I, I don't know. I, I think if I was to interview more, more, more Chesterfield players, I'd be a little bit starstruck at first because you do sort of idolise them to a degree. Um, I think it, it was a little bit easier starting at Marine because I didn't really know a lot about the club. So I just sort of... The first, my first experiences with them was just reporting on them and then interviewing a couple of them and just that sort of thing and just sort of being around them really it's just a bit more sort of normal um, but if I if I don't know if I was to talk to Drew Talbot or whoever it would be a bit more like oh you're my favourite player growing up and now now I'm talking to you yeah that was a lovely guy Drew yeah. the, the only player I found intimidating and, and not in a bad way Nicky Law because he's still yeah. he's still really like <laughs> intense and you get yeah. it like um, but I remember like one of the I remember when David Reeves agreed to come on who I really loved growing up uh, when he came on the screen I was a bit like it's David Reeves <laughs> it is a bit and when Paul Cook rang me up the, the, the whole story of how the Paul Cook thing happened was that I I, I, I got a premium LinkedIn account, which is like 50 quid a month. It's quite expensive for LinkedIn premium, but on there you can then find anyone that has got a LinkedIn. And I found Paul Cook was on there on LinkedIn, but he was still, I think he's still like Portsmouth manager on LinkedIn. He's not updated it like yeah. forever. So I thought, oh, this is probably, he's probably not using it. So I just sent a message, private message on, da, 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 da. And then I was sat on the sofa one day and my phone rang. And I picked it up and he went, oh, it's Paul Cook. Like that. And I was like, I'm like, I'm sorry, who? And he went, it's Paul Cook. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crikey. <laughs> and uh, he was just like, yeah, of course I'll go on the podcast. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Good result. That, yeah. I was like, after after he said that, I was, I was, I just went to my wife like, how is Paul Cook on the phone? And even my wife, who was, who was not a, a, a Chesterfield fan, really in the slightest, was a bit like, Paul, what the Paul Cook? So it is weird when you get those people that bring you up. Anyway, speaking as we're talking about, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, go for it. You were sensational. I was going to say, I um, when I when I was doing my podcast during the first lockdown, I managed to get into Tommy Lee, and even then, for me, that was a that was a big one. And hmm. you know, when you're in the Zoom call and it says Tommy Lee is in the waiting room, yeah, I was like, here he is. I almost I was almost sort of a bit nervous, depressed <laughs> to let him in, but. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? When you feel a little bit starstruck. Yeah, it is. But it's funny you've got a lot of those players that are really uh, like Tommy Lee and Drew Talbot and Sam Morsey and people like that. They like 
quite quickly replying they're like yeah of course i will you know it's it's feels like there's a lot of footballers that especially ones that have played quite a lot of games for chesterfield feel like they have a bit of a like a duty yeah i, I don't know if they really enjoy doing it I'm, I'm sure some of them really do but i think some of them feel like oh yeah of course it's my duty to like give up yeah. some time and, and do it which is which is completely lovely um yeah it is yeah and yeah, it's, it's interesting when they're like Tommy Lee and Drew Tolbert and that, they were so upfront about injuries and and stuff like that, that you just think, wow, it's, it's yes. Some people, as soon as they're like 20 minutes in, start to open up about things that have happened in their career. And you're like, yeah. wow, it's, it's actually not as not as an amazing <laughs> career as you think it's think it could be. When you're growing up, you're like, I want to be a footballer. Anyway, so shall we go on to Chesterfield? So... You are on the podcast because you are a Chesterfield fan. So are you born and bred Chesterfield? I am, yeah. So um, uh, I don't ask how old you are, but when, when is your era? When is your Chesterfield era? Kind of um, well, I, 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 to be honest, I, I only really started watching Chesterfield when I was about nine or ten years old, mm-hmm. which for some people seems a bit late, but it's just when it was. Yeah, I went to a few games at Saltgate here and there, but my first sort of, when I first started, like, really watching Chesterfield and being into it, it was the first season at the new ground. Um, so I mentioned him a minute ago, but my favourite players at the time were like players like Drew Talbot and obviously Jack Lester, Craig Davis and uh, Danny Whitaker, Tommy Lee, obviously, those sorts of players. And pretty much ever since, just been, you know, obsessed, like most people are when they first get into a club. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, so about 2000, 2010, was when we moved into the new stadium, weren't it? So it was about about twelve years now, yeah. Yeah, and it was a great season to be to like become fully invested in it. Like yeah. uh, you had a whole whole just bounce thing happening, and you obviously had the the rising attendances and spanking new ground and stuff like that. And that, the and, was... and, the, and we won the league that season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of one of the main things that sticks with me is a. Uh, uh, when obviously we were pretty much winning most games that year, had a brilliant season, won the league. I just remember my dad saying to me at the time, "Oh, don't get used to this. This isn't what being a Chessfield fan is. There'll be a lot more ups and downs." And unfortunately, he was right. Yeah, yeah, we're a good fan base, really, in uh, uh, tempering our excitement because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do find that uh, one good season comes along and then you'll have another ten <laughs> mediocre yeah. bad ones. But um, I suppose that's how it goes. So, so what were your kind of standout games then? Because there's always those ones that people pick out from that season. There's like Rotherham and the Crew 5-5 and, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, the first game I remember um, was Cheltenham at home. I think we won 3-0. Uh, Talbot scored the first goal and Davis scored the second and the third. And I got that sort of when Talbot sort of became my favourite player because he was, it was the first goal I really remember seeing. And then, you know, I'm lucky it was Talbot and not not someone that left after it after a couple of years or something. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like like you say, the um, the Crew game, uh, the Rotherham game, um, even even the Berry game at home, but for a different reason because I think we lost. Was it two one or three two? I think we lost three two. And you know, we were sort of going with Berry for the title, and that game, you know, we'd already got promoted, but it was sort of. You want you want the title, don't you? When you're in that position, yeah. and I just remember losing that game and just being a bit deflated when we left. And uh, obviously went on to went on to win the title anyway. But uh, yeah, those are the games that really stand out for me that season. 
Chesterfield were still unbeaten in the league but had dropped out of the top three. If they wanted to prove their promotion credentials, then Drew Talbot's opener did just that. But three minutes into the second half came the second goal. More positive running from Talbot, the unintentional tee-up from Morgan and an emphatic finish from Davis. The points were safe soon after. Morgan's quickly taken free kick into Davis and the third matched the game's first for quality. And how does that, because then obviously you experienced Paul Cook title winning season. What was it like three years later or something? Um, so how would you compare the two? Um, I think the Paul Cook season was, I, I always think of that as my, as my favourite season because I think, you know, that it went on such a good run and we played such good football that season, you know, when you look at the players that we had in that year, it's it's ridiculous to think that we're in League Two with some of the players that we had. You know, Sam Morsey. I know we've mentioned him a few times already, but Sam Morsey, Tommy Lee, um, Evo and Cooper and Heard, then um, Gary Roberts, obviously, and players like that. I, I think that was probably that in the season after when we got the playoffs in League One. I think there's just the football that we saw over those couple of years was just unmatched. Um, in the in the Sher uh, the Sheridan title win, um, it was different, but not 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 worse or better, but just different in terms of I think. Well, the the strikers were more prolific in that year for a, uh, for a start. I, I think Davis got did he win the Golden Boot with about 25, 25 26 goals. Jack Lesser chipped in with about fifteen or sixteen. Um, Dean Smalley as well chipped in with with a few. So and then, but I always when you compare that to the Paul Cook team, maybe we didn't have a really prolific striker that season. I think Doyle got about eleven or twelve in the league, uh, and Gary Roberts was chipping in with quite a few as well. So the goals were a bit more spread out, but I think the football overall was probably more enjoyable, more entertaining than the Cookie. Is it, who which team would win in a versus Sheridan versus Cook team? I've I've thought about this a fair bit. And that's why I ended up doing that pack of top trumps ages ago, because I was just like, which team is better? Because I always found that, kind of looking back, I think that the Sheridan team in isolation was probably the most exciting season I've seen. But the Cook team was probably the best footballing team. So in a head-to-head, -head, who would win? I think I would go Cook. Because I think, I don't know, just thinking about the defence, I think Richie Humphrey is one of the unsung heroes of that season. I think yeah, he totally. was, I think he was, a, you know, a, an experienced head in that team, did a great job at left back and then the midfield. I think, I think we slight, that team would slightly win the midfield battle over, it was Allett and Whitaker. Again, not, not a bad midfield by any stretch, but I just think Morsey and Ryan, would, I think it would come down to the midfield. I think Cook's team would win, yeah. Yeah. Tough, though, because you've got that strike force. They I know. Leicester. I know. They, they, yeah. put, they put goals past any team. It's tough to... It'd probably end nil-nil because Tommy Lee's in net for both teams. <laughs> so you ended up doing, uh, a little while back, wasn't it, you did the 
post Saltgate Eleven vote yep. on Twitter. Of which, when you started, when I saw that you started doing it, I was like, oh, again, yourself in a whole heap of trouble here. I know, I know. <laughs> so, so what was the what did the team end up as? Can you remember? Uh, yes, because I've, I've started writing the piece for it today. Um, so obviously, Tommy Lee and goal. Uh, that as soon as I as soon as I put that one out, I thought I've got to put four four options, but obviously there's only going to be one winner. Uh, I think he ended up with about ninety five percent of the vote. Uh, so it was Tommy Lee, Drew Talbot, um, Everett and Cooper at centre back, Dan Jones, who's at right mid, Jay O'Shea, which was a bit of a edgy one because he wasn't always a right midfielder, but I didn't know where else to put him. And I ran out of other right midfielders, to be honest. <laughs> um, centre mid was Borsley and Ryan, left mid Roberts, then Shimanga and Leicester up top. So it was quite, it was quite, so Shimanga beat Doyle. Yep. It's interesting. I know, uh, to be fair, that, I think that was a tough one. I think the names, I can't remember which four and which four I put together. I might have put Leicester and Doyle in the same one. Um. But I think Kabongo beat Craig Davis, which was obviously I, I thought he'd win. To be honest, I think he's the most na- the best natural striker that I've seen at Chesterfield. Um, yeah, Dean Smalley was in there as well, and uh, I can't remember whether Lee Novak got a shout. He's one of my favourite lone players, which is always dangerous because you never want to you never want to love a lone player because you know we're not going to say a lone player. Sammy Klingon, Jamal Campbell Rice. Oh, yeah, Daniel Johnson, Jamie O'Hara, <laughs> Sid Nelson, Martin Bullock. <laughs> had some good loan players over the years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was looking at the, um, I was looking at the uh, Johnson's Pay Trophy loan, uh, loan, uh, the final team that we played um, at Wembley, and Frank Musa was in midfield, and it just sparked a little memory of how good he was when he was on loan. But I, I don't, I don't think he played that many games for us, but he was, he was a good player. Um, but yeah I, I was surprised with a couple of the choices to be honest I thought that Sam Lucas might have edged it at left mid um, I thought Tendai might have edged it at right at right mid Tendai, Tendai and Talbot was a bit of a weird one because obviously they could both really qualify for right back and right midfield yeah, yeah. So, so I always said well I said uh, as I was doing it that um, whoever didn't win at right back was going to be put in at right midfield as well so I sort of expected them both to be in the team but then Jay O'Shea won and it all went out the window, really. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because even in a decade or two where uh, success was, you know, a, a really huge success, but kind of felt at a minimum, <laughs> certainly like last last decade, uh, it's, it's interesting. You still end up with, you can still end up with a good solid 20 players that are right up there as as some of the best players that people will have seen. Yeah, well, I think well, we touched on it a little bit, but when I when I first started sort of getting into getting into Chesterfield, I think one of the most successful periods in the club's history. You know, two league titles, uh, Johnson's Pay Trophy win, lost another final, hmm. League One playoffs. You know, pick, picked a good time really, and then so obviously naturally there's going to be some good players in there, and I think Tommy Lee was around for about nine years and played over 300 games plays like Drew Talbot I know he had his injuries but he was brilliant there for seven or eight years I think and you know Jack Lester speaks for himself six or seven years at Chesterfield and 
and then look at some of the players that maybe didn't spend a long time at Chesterfield, but they've gone on to the Premier League, like Liam Cooper, Sam Clucas. So, yeah, there's been some good players over the last 10 years. It's been, been good, really. Danny Jones on that left foot. Lays it off to Morsi. In for Roberts, the little flick over the top of Clucas! And Sam Clucas gives Chesterfield the equaliser! A well work goal in the end by the Spyrites. Sam Clucas gets his second goal of the season. And going on to current Chesterfield team then. So if you were to do your poll again in 10 years' time, uh, which players in the current Chesterfield team do you think would be options in a Twitter poll? Um, I think I did put Lawrence Maguire in there. Because I, I did try, for a lot of the positions, I did try and include a current one. Um, I think I put Alex Whittle in there as well. He's probably the player of the season, from what I've heard and from what I've seen. Um, I like Jeff King. I think he made over Talbot. I don't know. Pro- probably not over Talbot, but, you know, he deserves deserves a mention. Obviously, Kabongo has, has already made the team. But yeah. he could... If he, you know, if he's here next season and can score, keep scoring goals when he's back from injury, then I'm sure he'll uh, just solidify his place in the team. Uh, I really like Jack Clark as well. Mm. When he's sort of, it's easy easy to uh, sort of forget because I don't think he's played since December. Um, but yeah, he's a tricky player. I think he did really well when he first came in, especially and scored a few goals when he was on loan um, and in and out of the team. But you know, I think he could he could be in with a shout and. If Chesterfield do go on to have a successful end to the season, <coughs> will you get to see some of it? Because I assume some of the some of the league a bit uh, further down from Chesterfield is ending relatively soon, isn't it? Yep. Uh, Marine have got three more, um, well, at least four more games because we're in the playoffs, probably not going to win the league. Uh, there's three more normal league games uh, to play. Then if uh, they get to the playoff final, that's on the 30th of April. Uh, I'm booked in for Torquay on the 7th. And then, yeah, I'll try and get to some more games after that. I can't I can't remember the fixtures off the top of my head, but to, I'm, I'm, I'm booked in for Torquay. That's that's my next game as far as I know. So as you get into, we're getting to end of season and you'll obviously be ending a course yeah. <laughs> and your degree soon. So what's the, what's the, what's the plan? Um, well, I suppose I'm, I'm in the process of applying for jobs and handing my CV to anyone that will take it and seeing what comes up. And I'm staying, I think I'm staying in Liverpool for at least another year. Um, just sort of more opportunities are really uh, close to Manchester and Liverpool, you know, uh, two, two big cities in terms of uh, covering football. Um, and then after that, I don't know, uh, might, might come back to Chesterfield, might, might try another city or I, I don't know. To be honest, but just for the short term future, I know I'm staying in Liverpool and just handing my CV and trying to get as much maybe freelance work as much as I can. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's obviously a competitive industry, isn't it? But yeah. it's one that you want to get into, isn't it? When you've had that taste of it, I suppose it's one that you yeah. want to stay in. Well, I, I, my, my reason behind it was always the best job in the world is being a footballer. The second best job in the world is watching football and talking about it. So. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I've, I've been into this really 
since I was about 14 or 15. I did my work experience in year 10 in the media office at Chesterfield. So it's sort of always been what I've had my eyes on, what I've wanted to do, and I couldn't really think about doing anything else at the minute. Great. Well, thank you for coming on. So which player should we end with a clip on? I guess it's Drew Talbot, is it? It's Drew Talbot. It's got to be. His his goal against uh, Cheltenham in uh, 2010-11, if you can find it. Chesterfield were still unbeaten in the league but had dropped out of the top three. If they wanted to prove their promotion credentials, then Drew Talbot's opener did just that.